your friend, the therapist. On this podcast, we're skipping the small talk and working to destigmatize mental health through intimate conversations with everyday people about their mental health journeys and how they stay well in a world that feels like it's falling apart. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. My guest today is Natalie Wong. Natalie lives in Auckland, New Zealand with her Fano, her family. She is an ex-evangelical and ex-Mormon and is now a proud atheist. Through deconstructing from evangelicalism and Mormonism, she has learned to embrace mental health diagnoses and is figuring out how to balance mental well-being while juggling neurodivergency and just life in general. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's so good to have you on from the other side of the world, two different <laughs> days. For me, it is Sunday evening. For you, it is Monday morning when we're recording this. So it's just, it's wild that technology can connect us like this. So it's great cool. to chat with you. Yeah. So my first question I'm asking everyone that I'm interviewing is what does wellness mean to you? And what does that look like in your life? Wellness to me is, um, hmm. so I've thought about this a lot and um, uh, yeah, it's, wellness for me is given my background, it's a lot of having boundaries, it's a lot of taking the time to look after myself because for such a long time that was not the thing to do, it was, you know, put others before yourself it's therapy it's getting out in nature it's that's what it is for me feeling that that peace that comes from putting those things into place in my life yeah yeah Yeah. I love that and it's such a broad question I know we'll spend the next 30 (laughs) minutes or so unpacking that but just to start with that um well, maybe with your background, because you said because mm-hmm. of your background, and by that I assume you mean your experience in evangelicalism and Mormonism. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm curious what what your experience was with boundaries within those settings. Like, what did you learn about boundaries that you've had to either unlearn or mm. relearn now? Yeah. So I grew up in Baptist and Pentecostal churches, and then as an adult. Um, joined the Mormon church for a hot minute Um, and it was I felt like I could never say no my my worth was I felt was always in saying yes to everything I I had to be there you know at the height of being in church I was there five six times a week like it was it was a lot Um, Mm -hmm. I left my job at 18 because it was, you should invest your time in the church. That's what you should do. Mm. Um, So I didn't have boundaries with that. And I really had to learn um, to not be a people pleaser all the time, that it's okay to think about myself. It's okay to put my mental and physical well-being before what others expect from me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my I grew up in evangelical as well, yeah. and uh, that totally resonates. The 
Well, there really is no concept of boundaries that like even just the concept of a boundary is something that I have had to learn. Yeah. Post religion. Yeah. Um, in this case, and it's not, it doesn't always have to look like post religion for everyone. Yeah. But I know it sounds like you and I are on similar kind of uh, places with that where religion is not a part of your life anymore. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a proud yeah. atheist, you said. Very, very proud atheist. It took a, <laughs> took a lot of work to get to that point to, yeah, yeah, deconstruct from it all and, yeah. Yeah, and I know that deconstruction is a big focus of yours. Um, I know you have an Instagram account that I'll put in the show notes that yeah. kind of talks about that. I'm curious what your what your journey looked like your deconstruction and what it is looking like as we know it's an ongoing process yeah so for me it was um I always questioned things whether it was um most of the time it was internally um because I didn't want to disappoint anyone by mm-hmm. asking x y and z um but for me so when I when I was 18, my husband and I were youth leaders and heavily involved in the church and stuff. And then we got married because that was mm-hmm. what you did. Um, mm-hmm. Horrifies me now. My my eldest is 16 next year. And I'm like, you're only two years away from when I got married. You're a baby. Wow. That's, um, but we had chosen at the time when my husband and I got married to take a year off leadership. He was on the worship team and we were like, we just need some time to uh focus on ourselves um like on our relationship not Mm -hmm. yeah um and we were essentially shunned kicked out of things we lost friends and that really made me think quite hard about at first it was just church like that culture it was um this isn't sitting well with me. I'm not like I would have uh, panic attacks in church and I'd have to go and sit in the car for a bit and, um, but didn't have the words for that. Didn't have the knowledge that that's what it was um, because mental health wasn't talked about. (laughs) Uh, But then, so my husband and I, we we went through that and we actually ended up leaving the church at that point um, that we were in, but we were still religious still believed in God and then um we had our kids and once they were in kindergarten um they they started to have friends of their own and then I became friends with those parents um but the majority of them were Mormon and I was like I want to fit in again I want the community again I I want like I missed it so much um and we ended up going through the temple and um, all of that. And mm. it was pretty soon after that that I had realized the kids were coming home and we were having to unteach things, mm. um, specifically around being queer, um, where I was like, it's not right that I'm having to tell my kids, no, 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 don't listen to what they've said at church. Um, that's not okay. Um so there was that, and then it over about so from the time of us leaving the Mormon church, it took about 
I was trying to think about how old I was. So I was 27 when we left and it was when I was about 31, 32 that my husband came to me and he was like, I don't believe in God. And I was like, what? What? Like we had whittled our beliefs down to um, <sighs> love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart and soul and love others as you love yourself. And we were like, we will disregard the rest and we'll live our lives by that. So it really, really threw me, but it also made me think. And then he got me to listen to some podcasts and read some books. And I was like, that actually resonates. And I, I, I don't believe in God anymore. Um, so it was, my gosh, I'm trying to think. A good, like, well over a decade of deconstructing, but it was in stages if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think yeah. that's so common that it's it's not this one like light bulb moment mm. necessarily. It's a series yeah. of um yeah, these like kind of radical realizations. Yeah. I'm curious if you remember what some yeah. of the podcasts or books were that your husband had recommended to you that kind of started to open your eyes a little bit. It's okay I'm, if you don't remember. Yeah, I'm trying to think. My memory is not great at the moment. I had COVID a month ago and I've still got a bit oh. of the brain fog. Um, yeah. I know The Graceful Atheist was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Deconversion Therapy podcast with Bonnie and I want to say Karen, but I'm probably going to get that wrong. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it it was a lot, just a lot of things. Um, reading some Richard Dawkins books, where I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> like very foreign mm. ideas to me. Although I understand he's slightly problematic now, but um, yeah, yeah, just yeah, things like that. It, I think that speaks to even just having access to knowledge outside mm-hmm. of these religious spaces, whether or not. Like, you find out that, like, Richard Dawkins, you get some, like, okay, he's a little problematic. But mm-hmm. the fact that you could even choose yeah. to read things outside of this very, like, con- at least I'm assuming if your version of evangelicalism was like mine, a very, like, confined set of texts you could read. and Oh, um, absolutely. Like, I'm an avid reader. Like, I love books. But for the longest, longest time, it was, they had to be Christian books. Even if it was fiction, it had to be Christian-based. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my – yeah, I didn't have a very broad <laughs> – a broad yeah. scope of what I had read. So it's it's been quite enlightening being able to – and at first I felt very guilty mm-hmm. reading um, secular books, if that's yes. what you want to call them, and mm-hmm. even podcasts. I was like, oh, no. But, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it sounds like to back up a little bit, it sounds Mm. like one of the things that brought you to Mormonism was the desire for community, which I think is the thing that like a lot of us are looking for in religious spaces and in life in general. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, I guess what that's looked like now that you've left these religious spaces, like the need for community doesn't go away. What does that look like for you now? I don't really have it. Um, Mm. it's been quite hard because we lost, 
um, friends when we left evangelical churches and then we lost friends when we joined the Mormon church because that mm-hmm. was a big no-no. And then we lost yes. friends once we left the Mormon church um, and our experience or, or my experience, I, I shouldn't speak for my husband, um, my experience is it feels quite isolating at the moment yes. um, and I'm so thankful like you said before, for technology, for Instagram, to be able to connect with other people because there's just not a lot in New Zealand that I'm coming across. Um, Mm. We also have it where um, both of our kids are gender diverse. Um, So we find even people who aren't necessarily religious um, they might be quite conservative and it doesn't align with and and I to be fair I find it quite hard to talk about my life with people who haven't lived a similar experience because I feel like I'm being dramatic or um yeah. yeah so at the moment there's not a lot of community there which I really miss like there's a, at least a couple of times a year where I say to my husband I'm like do you miss church? (laughs) Like I I miss feeling like I belong to something and Mm -hmm. it's something that I need to work on, but I am quite, um, I'm quite introverted and quite shy and um, being neurodiverse as well. I I do find it hard sometimes to, to to have that small talk with people and stuff. And Mm -hmm. because deconverting has is such a large part of our story and it shapes so much of who I am and how I react and respond to the world and to situations and stuff, I worry a lot that people won't get it and just yeah. think I'm a bit odd. Although I probably am a bit odd, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I hear what you're saying is that they're growing up, especially growing mm. up, it sounds like you did grow up within this, like, Right, you didn't come to evangelicalism later. Oh, no, no, no. So so I should say, like, um, my mum became a Christian, I think, a couple of years before I was born. So I was very much born into that culture. It was, I was a kids church leader by the time I was 11. I grew up going to healing meetings, all this type of stuff. So it, yeah, it was very much a part of who I was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think when you grow up within that, it is such a unique experience. I I grew up in the church as well. And yeah, yeah, there's something about finding other people who have that experience. It's like, okay, I get you on a different level than other people can. It's very powerful. And it it sounds Mm. like, yeah, I actually don't have a lot of people in person who Mm. can resonate with that. It sounds like you haven't found much of that community in person but I mean that's one of the reasons that I have this podcast it's not strictly about deconstruction but it's basically an excuse for me to (laughs) get to know people who have you know similar stories yeah I um talk a lot with my clients about the importance of third spaces so and what I mean by that is church is like this space that's not home it's not work it's this mm-hmm. third space where you can find community. And a lot of times we don't know where else to find that third yeah. space. Um, the church does a really good job of creating community. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. 
for for better or worse. Um, but it creates that sense of like I have my people yeah. here. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm curious, I guess I, I think of so some different pillars of wellness, just to pivot back to that topic. Yeah. Um, emotions, mind, body, and spirit. And mm-hmm. I'm curious of those pillars, like what has it looked like to take care of yourself and your family and your well-being in those different areas for you? So emotions, yeah. mind, body, mm. spirit or soul or whatever you do yeah. or don't believe in when it yeah, comes yeah. to that. Yeah. So there's actually a Tereo word for it, for, for all of those. It's called water, And it mm-hmm. is your physical health, your mental and emotional health, your relationships with others and your spiritual and for a while I struggled with the spiritual side because I personally don't believe that I have a spirit as such and I mean that more in the spirit that I was taught about being in religion Mm. um so yeah it's quite interesting that you you mentioned all of those um but yeah it's definitely a a Maori concept that um, we've adopted as a family um, because mm. hauora, so all of those are actually taught in schools here. Um, wow. It's a very holistic approach to looking after yourself, that you're not just one of these things, you're mm. all of them. So for me, um, looking after my physical health for me is really, really important because it has a um a roll-on effect for my mental and emotional um Mm -hmm. well-being um and I had to really really um pick it apart because I'd grown up um with diet culture and all of that type of stuff so it's it's been a journey for me um I work out a lot I hike a lot Mm -hmm. um but for me, it's with a focus of I'm looking after my mind. Like mm. when I'm when I'm working out, I am I feel calm. I feel peace. Maybe it's because I'm so tired while I'm doing it, I can't think about anything. Mm. But it's it's like my mind slows down, which is yeah. is really important for me because I I worry a lot. I'm quite an, an anxious person. Um, so there's there's that there's um so with hiking as well it's a twofold thing for me it's um I get out in nature because we're really lucky here in New Zealand we've got especially where we live in Auckland there's bush walks five minutes from our house there's um coastal walks where you've got the beach and farm and bush all in one and it's just really beautiful but it the amount of times I'll stop And particularly if we're in the forest and just being able to breathe deeply and feel connected to nature. And I I don't mean that in like a (laughs) a woohoo type way. Um, It's just, I don't know, I find it really, really calming just listening to the birds, listening to the wind in the trees and just getting getting away, I guess, from from technology for a bit like we very much have the rule like because we hike a lot as a family it's um 
my husband and I, we take our phones, but it's more for a safety thing in case somebody gets lost um, and it's to take photos. It's We're not on devices, we're not watching TV, all that type of stuff. Like It's quite important for us, for our well-being yes. to do that. So that's probably the physical component of it. Um, the mental and emotional well-being flows on from that for me. Um, but I have been in therapy for just over three years now which has been life-changing for me um Mm. it's not something that is easily accessible here in New Zealand it's really expensive although I imagine that's probably the case everywhere but um there's a an organization a government organization in New Zealand called ACC so accident claims something um where they, I don't know if I should put a trigger warning here, they, um, you can get free therapy for as long as you need um, if you've been sexually abused. So I was able to access it through that. But um, my counsellor, we talk about a wide scope of things. Like she's, she's really, really good. She's amazing. Just um, It's not just focused on that. Um And because I was taught growing up, right, that mental health was you've not prayed enough, you've not read your Bible enough, you just need to rely on God more. Um, So I remember when my my counsellor or my therapist diagnosed me with complex PTSD, PTSD, severe anxiety and depression, and I started to panic because it was those those old thoughts of I've let an evil spirit in or I've not done, even though I had deconstructed at that point, it was Mm, still that old conditioning that I really had to work through and that stigma around it. Like I didn't tell anyone other than my immediate family that I was in counseling for a long, long time because it, it, I felt embarrassed that I needed it, which is, I wish everyone who needed counselling would go and get it. Like, it's really important. Um, So there's that side of it for my mental and emotional well-being. And and I have talked to my counsellor once a fortnight for three years. And there are some times where I'm like, I feel like I've got nothing to talk about today. And other times where I'm like, this isn't enough time. I've got more I need to unpack, that type of stuff. But it's... It's been really good and I'm proud of myself for doing that because my kids have had counselling and for them it's a no-brainer. It's a, they're like, well, if you need it, you need it. It's all good and I love that. I love that I'm raising them to look after their mental well-being. Mm. Um, yeah, with... <clears throat> like the family, friends, relationships part of Hoorah. Um, I'm not great with that. <laughs> um, I have very, very complicated relationships with family. Um, yeah. And like I mentioned before, I've lost a lot of friends through different phases and all of that. So that's a little, that's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that is me trying to, look after my wellness in that regard and um, having boundaries and also yeah. just being kind to myself. Like 
it's okay for me to say I'm not coming to this. Yes. It, it's <clears throat> it's not going to be good for me. And then that has a trickle-on effect for my little family of mum's in a bad mood because she's super anxious about going to this thing and it's not pleasant for anyone. And that's not all the time, but sometimes. So that's, yeah. yeah. Even yeah. that permission that you are giving yourself to say no, mm. you know, it's not, in my experience at least has been, we're not really allowed to choose to say no within a lot of like the high control yeah. religious settings. So even just that permission to say no is so powerful to choose yourself. Yeah, I, I'm not great at it still Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Mm -hmm. quite often it still takes reminders from my husband of you don't have to say yes and if the other person has a problem with it that's a them problem not a you problem and it's been a massive mind shift and I and my counselor still reminds me of it all the time she's like you can say no no is a powerful word um Mm. yeah because it's I hadn't felt like I'd had the freedom to say no for a really long time. Yeah. 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 Well, and the reality often is that there isn't freedom to say no. Mm. It's not that we don't even, it's not that we don't know that we have the choice. We don't, we don't have the choice, especially when you're raised within that to say no is to, you know, to threaten your relationships that you rely on to survive yeah and so we I mean that's how we learn to people please right mm-hmm. to really survive yeah yeah it's um I actually really detest that part of of my religious experience anyway like um when I did start to say no we were ostracized from things like mm-hmm. Um, I was told I had like a Jezebel spirit because I would be the one in the relationship originally to say like, no, we're not doing this. And then they'd be like, oh, you're just, you know, you're controlling your husband, all this type of stuff. And I was like, he says no too. It's not just me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it, yeah, it's a work in progress. But the fact that I, I even have the option now of saying no, of, you know, no, I don't want to do this. No, it's mm-hmm. it's okay for me to just stay home, sit this one out. It's a, mm-hmm. yeah, especially because we lost a lot of friends. And they, they weren't just yes. friends. They were like our family. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is so challenging. There's, I imagine, a lot of grief that's mm-hmm. coming along with this process. Yeah, it's um, it's been quite a hard journey to process because, mm-hmm. like, I've got my husband who gets it. He's lived so much of it with me because we got married mm-hmm. so young. <laughs> um, you know, we've been together nineteen years this year, and I'm only thirty six. Um, oh, wow. You know, but he he gets it, but not many other people do, and it's those moments of feeling that grief quite acutely 
that I find hard to express at times. Um, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it sounds like it's not necessarily something that can be verbalized. It's just something that's no. felt. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm very much someone. I feel things quite deeply, but in those moments of feeling that grief and not always being able to express why I'm feeling the way I am, um, I do find it hard to move through those feelings so Mm. that's something that I'm trying to learn how to do because I don't want to feel sad (laughs) um right for hours on end just because I felt one thing but yeah it's um yeah yeah yeah. I'm curious what your relationship with emotions in general was like when you were raised or Mm. within the church within Mormonism I know for me it was I was very much um, either received the message or interpreted from what people said that emotions were bad, that it yeah. was not an okay thing to feel or have yeah. any emotions, really. Yeah, it was. Um, and I don't know that it was anything that was directly said from the pulpit, mm-hmm. but definitely just those, those those little messages you get either through like, a youth group leader or a Christian magazine I read or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there was that side of it. But also within my family growing up, it wasn't okay to feel sadness. So things like um, I'd go to funerals and I would cry because, like, my auntie had died And my dad would take me out of the building and we'd walk around the property for a while until I'd stopped crying. Mm. And then he would take me back in because it wasn't okay to show that. So it's taken a a long time for me to be okay with crying. Um, I've made sure to teach my kids, Mm. cry all you want. (laughs) Let it out. It's better better to not have that bottled up. Um, Yeah. But within a a religious context, it was it's not okay to feel anything other than happiness mm, or positivity, yes. um, which I've yeah again I've had to try and work through that of it's okay for me to feel negatively about something and it doesn't mean it's a bad thing that's just how I'm feeling mm-hmm. and that's all good um, but yeah it. It was like a facade you had to have all the time of mm-hmm. I'm happy and I love everything because if I didn't, then it meant I wasn't as close to God and I must be struggling in my relationship with him. And, yeah, yeah, it was mm. – um, and now I I still struggle to not stuff those emotions down if that makes sense like absolutely it's okay for me to feel happiness like that's all good um but it doesn't need to be the only emotion I feel and but even then I feel like I have to dial it down a bit because of the religious trauma I had around it like trying to have a healthy relationship with that emotion Mm -hmm. um 
it's okay to be angry about something but not take it to the extent that like my dad did Mm. um learning to manage that has been yes because in my family and this has nothing to do with church but in my family like my dad was a very angry man and still is um so I've had to learn how to manage that because that was the example I had um you know so from church it was you can feel happy at home it was you shouldn't feel sad but it's okay for you to be angry <laughs> like it was yeah. quite confusing um yeah yeah I'm yeah. I'm curious at, at what point in your journey did you realize that you are neurodivergent because when I hear mm. all this like confusion around emotions I'm imagining for someone who's neurodivergent that's especially confusing and when did you realize yeah. Yeah, so um, I do want to say I've not been officially diagnosed yet. Um, it's a bit of a hard process here. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. my youngest has just been diagnosed as autistic, and it was through me wondering about them being autistic that I was like, hold on, you're just like me. Like that's just that's just how I react mm-hmm. to things, so that's where you've learned it from. And so that was a process of, <laughs> hold on, that's actually neurodivergency. Um not everyone experiences the, the world in this way. Um, mm-hmm. For me, yeah, it's actually only been in the last year that I've gone, oh, you know, through not that, like I don't believe in like Dr. Google and stuff, right, but like reading resources, <laughs> yeah. like um, even through Instagram, like people put stuff up and I'm like, oh, there are other people that, that have this. It's not just me, but it, yeah. Yeah, it's only really been in the last year, but I have found it kind of funny that my mum was like, well, of course you're autistic, like, duh. And I'm like, mum, why didn't you get me tested as a kid? And she was like, oh, I just thought that was just you. And I was like, I would sit at birthday parties and sit in the corner and read or go hang out with the adults because I didn't know how to interact with the other kids, that type of stuff where I'm like, oh, that would have been helpful earlier in life to understand that and particularly with religion it um yeah it just it made things I personally feel um a lot harder because you know like I, I had mentioned a story um a while ago about you know I'd be sitting in the service and they'd be talking about um you know, how Jesus is the shepherd and we are his sheep. And I was sitting there going, I'm not a sheep. What are you talking about? But I, I wouldn't voice it to anyone because I didn't want to sound stupid, but I'd have to go, like, I'd go home and I would think about it and I'd be like, hold on, that's not literal. It's a metaphor. Let's figure this out, all that type of stuff. But, yeah, it definitely made it a, a unique experience on my part anyway. Yeah. 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 It- another like layer of confusion with all Mm. all of these like do I because some parts of the bible at least in the way I grew up was we do take this literally yeah but other parts are just metaphors and it's like well how do you then figure out what's what here yeah yeah and it was a lot of that a lot of um like was it Paul in the new testament he said how women shouldn't speak in church yes and I was taught to view the New Testament quite literally. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if I'm taking this 
commandment seriously and and actually applying it to my life what about that one you know like it was it was a mind game and a half trying to filter through all of that yeah yeah Yeah. and we could probably talk forever about how the mind game is one of the ways that control is maintained um yeah and especially for like people who are vulnerable in some way whether it's neurodivergence or queerness or gender like those people are especially vulnerable in these settings um and I know we could we could talk forever we don't have time um but yeah, I am mindful of the time, actually. And I the thought that just came into my head is like, mm. we've talked so much about um, <laughs> your journey away from religion. I'd love to spend yeah. just a couple minutes to like hear who you are today. Like you are not just somebody who used <laughs> to be Christian or used to be Mormon. Like you are your yeah. own whole being who has a full like experience of the world in this moment. Yeah. Oh, I struggle with that one. I really like mm. I, I even struggle when people are like, What have you been up to? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what I've been yeah. doing. So. Um who I am today. I am so I'm still a stay at home mum. Um my kids are fifteen and fourteen, but it's um having neurodiverse children and have it having it be undiagnosed for such a long time for them, um, they just had and have higher needs um it's just a priority that we've made um but even that's been a journey um separating being taught growing up um that that was my purpose in life was to be a wife and a mum, and then I should stay home and now going I feel privileged to be able to be in the position to do this um I yeah I don't know I I'm someone I love being out in nature it's like my happy place and I'm so excited that here in New Zealand we are going into our warmer months, even though today it's freezing cold. <laughs> um, because I love, like, we've got beaches five minutes up the road, like just being able to go and oh, breathe in the sea air and go for a walk. And um, Although at the same time I'm very, very pale. I've got very Irish genes where uh, it doesn't do too well in the New Zealand sun. But, um, yeah, I... I love reading. It's been, I've loved the journey of being able to read non-Christian books. Like my, we have a bookshelf in every room of our house. We have boxes under the beds in the garage. And I just, I love reading. It's Mm. a passion of mine. And I'm, I'm thinking about um, going and studying because I, I left school at 16 to go and work at, in the church um because that was the priority not my education um and then because we were still religious when we were young adults um my husband went to uni and I was at home with the kids and now they're a bit older I'm like okay maybe I can start to do this so that's a bit of a journey as well trying to figure out what do I want to do like it's quite a fun concept to me to um figure it out um but yeah I'm I'm going to hopefully do that and then, yeah, 
I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not very good at answering that. I'm sorry. Oh, that was a great answer. And the last question I'll ask you yeah. before we kind of close out is what you are reading right now. What What's on the top of the list of all those books? Oh, I don't remember titles of books very well. It's <laughs> really okay. bad. So I'll read a book and then I'll remember the, the storyline and everything. And then a couple of months later... I'll get what I think is a new book out from the library and then I start to read it. I'm like, I've read this already. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, yep. I'm currently reading a um, Sarah, I don't know if that's how you say it, Sarah Donati book. She writes like historical fiction. Okay. Um, I like to, it's like my escape. Mm. Like, um, Always has been since I was a kid. I was like that kid who devoured like the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, always had a book with me, and it was always one of those. Um, but I also have been reading. I'm just trying to look at the name of it. Oh, is it God the Most Hateful? I can't read it from here. Sorry, my eyes. Really okay. Um, it's a Dan Barker book okay. about um how how God's not a very good character. <laughs> um, mm. And that's been insightful. I've been like, ooh, okay. Yeah. So that's nonfiction. That yeah, one. that's nonfiction. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, well, what about you? What are you reading? <laughs> Great question. I love when people turn it around on me. I'm similarly, I am a big reader, always have yeah. been. Um I think right now on my list is Braiding Sweetgrass. That's a really great one. Um, That's all about, really all about nature. It's a um, a Native American woman who is a poet and a scientist, and she studies plants and just writes about them so beautifully. Yeah, Um, that's cool. So I highly recommend that, Braiding Sweetgrass. And I'm also reading my, well, that's nonfiction as well, but also on the nonfiction side, a book called The Sunny Nihilist. Um, oh. The world is all meaningless. <laughs> so oh. again, these <laughs> these very like non-Christian books, yeah. you know, just let myself experience it. I love it. It's so empowering. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, Natalie, it's been so good to talk to you and get to know you and, and create our own little 40 minutes of community right here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if people want to connect with you on Instagram or outside of um, or in the virtual space, mm. where can folks do that? Uh, probably Instagram. I'm not really on okay. much of anything else. Um, I have an ex-evangelical page, um, which I probably need to put more on. I go through these bursts where I put stuff on and then I forget mm-hmm. that I've made it. <laughs> yeah. But, yes. um, but yeah, there or um, even, mm, I was going to say my personal one, but yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> we can start yeah. with the public one. Yeah. I'll link that one, one. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, thank the, you. Um, Exvangelical yeah. post there and, you know, people can connect with you if they want or thank connect you. with you through this conversation yeah Um, awesome well it's been great to talk to you yeah thank you so much for having me on and um I feel quite quite 
honored because I've I've been listening to your podcast and I'm like I'm not a trained professional on anything I'm I'm just a a mum who's lived a bit of life and yeah so thank you so much I really do appreciate the opportunity and and I I want more people who are not trained professionals this was never meant to be a podcast just for therapists I just happen to know mostly therapists so I am so glad that you that you reached out and that we made this connection yeah thank you so much this has been another conversation with your friend the therapist to follow the podcast you can find us on instagram at your friend the therapist pod and you can follow my work as a trauma therapist and yoga teacher on instagram at carrie fillion psychotherapy on my website carriefillion.com. Take care and stay well.